histories of neurodivergence, yet you can't find the ones that speak to your life. Utopia the Campaign aims to platform the voices of neurodivergence across different communities and life circumstances, so we find the words to get the support we need. Join me, Samantha Hugh, Director of ADHD Girls, as I uncover hidden stories of neurodivergence that come from a few, but speak to so many parts of our lives. Hello, both of you. I'm really excited to have both um, Sydney Dodini and her dad, Dr. Aaron Dodini, with me today in this interview, where we will cover aspect of parenting a child with high intelligence and ADHD, and also Sydney's account on her own neurodivergence. And can we start with um, maybe Sydney, can you introduce yourself, your name, where you're currently based, and what neurodivergence you identify with? Um, my name is Sydney Dodini. I'm currently a college student living in Utah, although I was born and raised in Washington, D.C., and I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was 19 years old in 2020. Right. Erin, um, can you introduce yourself um, in your professional capacity and as a dad to Sydney and where are you yep. based? Yeah, um, thank you. I'm, um, I am Sydney's dad, which is one of the great honors of my life. Um, I, we have four children. Sydney's the eldest um, and the only daughter, and that makes her special as well. Um, I'm a clinical psychologist and um, a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've been practicing in Arlington, Virginia, which is just outside of Washington, D.C., for about the past 23 years. Um, been married for 25 years and um, for the last 12 years, really been um, focusing a lot more on adult ADHD and um, doing, in particular, um, evidence-based assessments using tools that I think are more effective um, than the subjective measures that we've often had to use for diagnosing ADHD. Um, and it allows us to get more granular data, more valid data, objective data, on which to make these uh, treatment recommendations and, and help people get get the support they need. I run, um, I'm in the founder of Dodini Behavioral Health and we are multidisciplinary. We have psychologists, social workers, family therapists, counselors um, who do a variety of different things, um, ADHD being, being one part of it. Thank you so much, Aaron. That's a really good introduction. Um, I wanted to start this, um, sort of three-way interview with Aaron. Um, I know that in our previous interview, we talked about, you know, how Sydney was diagnosed with ADHD when she left for college and no one knew until that point. <laughs> and, and so, and obviously we had a public service announcement there, you know, to sort of, sort of help everyone understand what ADHD can look like because it's often so complex. And so as a parent with a, new, a newly diagnosed young adult with ADHD, what do you wish you had known sooner about Sydney that could perhaps have helped her? Yeah. Uh, well, I wish I'd known sooner that she had ADHD. Um, uh, it was a real shock and a surprise to me. Um, knowing her um, 
personality was affected by the way she viewed the world through these ADHD lenses would have helped me, uh, would have helped me know her better, would have helped me understand her better. Um, I wish that um, I'd been able to help her understand that the, some of the rejection sensitivity dysphoria that she experienced was part of the neuro, neurodivergence, that it um, affected the way she views herself, the way she views relationships with others, um, including her relationship with her mother and I. Um, we've had the experience uh, of kind of talking about some family events that Sydney had a perspective that was very different from what her mother and I thought. Like, so our stories were very different. And I wish I'd uh, known that, um, that she was viewing some of these same events and through a different lens um, and helped her walk through some of that. And maybe she would have been able to help us understand her a little better had she also been aware and known about this neurodivergence. Um, knowing what her ADHD brain strengths are, right? she's got some superpowers that um, we've always been aware of. We just didn't we sort of thought of them as, as talents or innately you know, born gifts. Um, but in fact, they're part of what the ADHD brain can do. There are also some things that the ADHD brain doesn't do quite as well and like remind you to clean your bedroom. Right. So. Uh, those are the things that the day-to-day -day quarrels and struggles uh, that sometimes got in the way of, of intimacy and connection through a different lens, understanding ADHD, we may have been able to, to cross those bridges a little more smoothly. Yeah, I'd be curious to know what, what Sydney thinks about that and, and how she, you know, even right now, how she's hearing what I'm saying, so. Yeah, that's, um, you know, I, I can't imagine hearing, say, my own father say the same thing, you know. And so, Sydney, being diagnosed at age, um, was it when you left for college? Was it 19 or 20? 19. 19. What do you wish your parents had known and maybe have done differently had they known? I think it's mostly... The thing that's been on my mind a lot with ADHD diagnosis is the only reason that you would be able to catch a ADHD in somebody is if they're not fitting in with the way our society is set up, um, and that's the same way you catch a far side or nearsightedness when you're in grade school. You can't see the board, um, so you go get glasses. Um, it's the same way you catch things like dyslexia you realize you're reading at a much lower rate than the rest of your peers um because the way our society is set up in the way it values productivity and um structure and order and success um it, it really is tailored for one very specific type of person and one very specific type of brain so I've always looked at it in a way of, it's not that I don't necessarily fit in, it's that the world wasn't really meant for me. Um, and so I have to work twice as hard. So something that I think I would have just, like would have helped me growing up without a di diagnosis is realizing that I am working twice as hard. Um, 
and understanding when I'm not reaching the level of production um, of my peers. It's not necessarily that something's wrong with me. It's not necessarily that I have to do more. It's just sort of the way it is. And I have a lot of aspects of perfectionism and anxiety that come along with ADHD and with production and feeling like I need to work so hard and get everything done. And growing up, if I had realized that I, it doesn't matter that much, <laughs> like my grades don't matter that much, um, you know, productivity does not matter as much as it feels like, you know, to me, then I would have been more successful just in the long run. Maybe had a little more fun. <laughs> yeah, a little less stressed out. <laughs> wow. So did you spend a lot of time working, you know, on your studies and, and not actually, you know, go out with your friends as much because you were, you know, trying to make grade? No. <laughs> I still went out. <laughs> um no, I still went out. But, I, but I, you paid for it, right? You were often, you know, not getting the same kind of sleep because you were doing three hours instead of one hour to do a project, right? Mm -hmm. Mom and I were in bed asleep, blissfully unaware that you were up, you know, far later finishing a product project and stressing about your outcome of that product project. Yeah. And, and even things like... Um, I loved being up at night because I felt like I could just do what I wanted to do. And, you know, it's the quiet hour. Nobody's around. Nobody can silently judge me. You know, um, I can just do whatever hobby or task or activity I want to do, which I know is an ADHD thing. Um, you know, I'd go rearrange my bedroom in the middle of the night or like try on all my clothes in my closet just because <laughs> I forgot what was in my closet. Um, <laughs> I don't just like things like that. Like I loved being up at night, especially in high school, because it was just like my own little, my little free time, my little world that nobody else could intrude on. And I could just have my own time. But um, yeah, uh, the joys of having three younger brothers. Yes. Yeah. I was nice and quiet. Um, <laughs> so it definitely impacted my sleep schedule, with, which impacted everything else. And I was super involved with like theater program and things like that. So um, I had very, I felt like I had very little downtime, um, especially in grade school. And when one student needed, exactly, when one student needed one hour, I needed three hours, or I felt like I needed three hours, or I would build up a project in my brain and I would tell myself, this is a three hour, four hour, five hour project, when in reality it wasn't, and I could get it done. But part of the reason why it takes me forever to do things is because of the view of what that thing is. Um, it's much less about me being a slow worker because I, I can be a very quick worker and I can be very quick with my studies and everything. And I can knock out a 10 page paper in four hours and I can get super hyper-focused on the work that I'm doing. It's not exactly that I'm slow. It's just that it takes a long time to get focused on something and it takes a long time to understand something enough to approach it. I really feel like I have to have a, a full and complete grasp of 
a project or an endeavor before I begin it. So I know exactly how to approach it so that I can get it done um, to my best capability. I will not go into a project blind. So that's kind of what takes some time because it's the mental preparation and, and getting getting my brain used to, to starting something. Um, and that's, it comes from myself. It, it can't come from anywhere else. It, it's completely a self driven experience and you really can't force anything on ADHD brain. Um, it has to be a self-motivated experience, which is a double-edged sword. Yeah. And also as, as, as a parent, you have to find very creative ways to motivate your child to do something that maybe they might not want to do, but it's in their best interest to do so. And, you know, Sydney, I know you talked a lot about the perspective of, you know, as, as someone growing up, you know, um, undiagnosed and also having parents who do not know, but say now that you know, and, and if any of your siblings might have ADHD, or if you grow up to have your own family, and if you have a child with ADHD, what would you tell, you know, people that would make, you know, your sibling or your future child's life a lot easier as someone who's growing up with ADHD? Um, my youngest brother, Adam, he is quite possibly the most hyperactive child I've ever met in my life. Um, I see myself in him every single day. He FaceTimes me very often and mostly just looks at himself in the camera <laughs> and asks me what I'm doing five times in a row after I've already told him and then tells me about his basketball game or basketball documentary as he's watching. Um, so I would hundred percent see it in Adam. Um, and I, I think there's a fear for a lot of parents of very young children that are starting, starting to show very clear ADHD signs where it's like, I don't want to pump my kid full of drugs. I don't want him to turn into, you know, this whatever like zombie, you know, I just want him to be a kid kind of thing which I understand, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I think it's, I think people who don't have ADHD or don't experience ADHD don't understand how big a difference just a diagnosis can make. It doesn't matter if you're getting medicated or if you're getting accommodations um, or really any extra thing that comes along with a diagnosis. I think the diagnosis is the most impactful thing especially for someone who's young and navigating public school um it just especially like where I grew up it was very very um competitive and high stress environment it was a very highly academic place so if I had gone into middle school uh, I mean I am mostly thinking about eighth grade uh I had this geography class and we had uh, map quizzes where we basically just had to memorize a map and throw it down on a blank piece of paper which I actually loved studying for because it was super easy and simple and I felt like I could check boxes and, and everything but I would get violently ill before geography class every time we had a test and I would call my mom in the bathroom every single time saying please come pick me up I'm so sick I'm gonna throw up I feel so sick I feel awful She's like, okay, well, your your you know your quiz is coming up. Just finish your quiz, and then I'll come get you. And then I finish my quiz, and I'd be like, oh, I'm good now. You don't need to come get me. <laughs> and I had no idea why that was happening. I just figured I was eating something, 
that every time I happened to have a quiz, I didn't realize it was connected to, you know, anxiety and this perfectionism and this, this stress over performance. Um, and if I had known that, I would have approached schoolwork very differently and, and approached um, just my education very differently. Um, I mean, high school really is the foundation of the rest of your life. It's frustrating to me, but I mean, in the US, the reality is like when you are 16 and 17 years old and you're making decisions that set up your college experience and your uh, career experience, things like that, um, just in the way of how fast paced and extreme it is to get people into the workforce. So knowing, knowing my strengths, knowing my weaknesses, knowing what I needed to succeed rather than just floundering and trying everything would have saved a lot of time and energy and stress. So I think just getting a diagnosis is really important. You know, if you're, if you're noticing, um, and it doesn't, I mean, if you're noticing things that are a little bit different, if your kid is super spacey, if your kid is, you know, super fidgety, asks you the same question over and over again, hyper fixates i mean i mean my little brother adam he is obsessed with basketball um if there's a game day he asks my mom every single or every 30 minutes up until his game for about 12 hours when his game is you know it's like when are we getting in the car when are we going when are we going i'm ready to go um things like that like that's not necessarily typical behavior for um, a kid. So noticing those things and being like, oh, that's a little bit strange. And that might not just be my son's personality, my daughter's personality, or my child's personality. Um, it might be something that's a little bit weird. <laughs> like, I think that's important. Um, so, so let me aware. jump in here real quick, Simi. One of the things that's, that's interesting to me is just listening to the way you're describing both yourself and Adam. There is, uh, in some ways, an ableism sneaking into it right there is it's a little bit weird or it's not normal or you know these kinds of things and and even your perception of yourself of of having been floundering nobody in your sphere would have said that you were floundering right no one perceived that but you did and you felt as if you were floundering we certainly now know that you are working harder than a lot of your peers. We didn't really understand that before, but, but the perception of self, right? The way that, that perfectionism comes in, um, the, the belief, the perception of what you think other people are expecting of you, that's a significant portion of the ADHD experience that I don't think we talk much about in the U S In the UK it's talked about all the time, but, um, the way that ADHD sneaks into our perceptions of ourselves and our judgments of ourselves, I think is pernicious. And even now, even knowing the diagnosis, um, even having worked as hard as Sydney has on being compassionate with herself and, and more accepting, that language still sneaks in, those judgments still sneak in. And, and it's, I think it's hard as a parent to both want you know them to find success and to feel successful and do well in school and all of their extracurricular stuff and to support them in it but 
in some cases that's perceived as expectation or pressure, um, which inadvertently actually diminishes performance or like, like Sydney was alluding to, you get, you know, 99% of it knocked out in the first hour. And then it's the next three hours of perseverating on the 1% that, that you didn't quite get right. You know? So all of this, I think it's so, uh, it's so ingrained into our ableism, uh, the perceptions we have of what's the right, what's the wrong, what's typical, what's atypical. And, um, it's, I think, a lot of the work that you're doing, Samantha, in helping us understand what neurodivergence is and how there are real strengths and assets, but that, that in society, we often view them through the able lens. Yeah, no, completely, Aaron. I mean, you are, you know, I can, I can hear that, you know, both like you and your wife sounds like very nurturing parents, you know, and, and, and you want uh, your child you know, to, to do um, what they love to do and also, you know, do it in, in the way that they can. And, you know, what you say about it being perceived as, you know, some like like extra expectations, it, it can't be helped because if we have, you know, tried so hard to just to, to stay afloat, you know, in the system, like you said, in education and there is so much that goes behind it, you know, in the internal lives of a woman with ADHD and anyone who fly under the radar that you've gotten used to just doing so much and people can't see the invisible effort and invisible barrier that goes behind it. And that's why, you know, I mean, Sydney's quite, I mean, I, I know you were diagnosed later than you should, but you're still like earlier than so many of us. You know, I was diagnosed two years ago and that is like, for me, it feels late because I've done the whole thing, you know, high school, university, jobs of the jobs, of the jobs, of the jobs and parenting. And here I am. But I'm just glad that I found out in time for me to help my daughter. And, you know, like it is how societies um, organize itself. And, and that's why we're hoping to shake things up a little, you know, and just because you and I are talking about this, you know, we all are in some ways working in the field of ADHD, but outside of this room, this virtual room, it is not as common to talk about it. And it's still seen very stigmatized, you know, that people are talking hush hush in school or, you know, maybe in, in the US it's a little bit different. So um, I'm just wondering, Erin, like, is there anything that maybe from what Sydney say that you want to tell Sydney and, and, and vice versa, Sydney, you know, did you, did you want to maybe um, just, just say something about how you both see this, you know, go, going forward, even. Uh, you're going to make me tear up again, Samantha. Um, uh, well, <clears throat> Sydney. <laughs> Um, I don't know uh, if sometimes the ADHD filter keeps you, inhibits you from feeling how proud I am of you, of how much I love you, how pleased I am with you. So maybe 
in this venue with hopefully millions of people, right, Samantha, uh, watching this, you'll you'll be able to take it in in a different way. Um, I love that uh, we're on this journey together, um, that we're learning together. Um, as a firstborn, you get to be in so many ways, um, you know, the guinea pig. And you're just incredible. And your patience with, with us and the way you teach us and um, your willingness to, to see our struggles as well um, and sometimes point them out. So um, that's, that's wonderful. I am... You know, I regret <clears throat> that it took so long and that it affected so many parts of, of your life and our relationships. And in a, in a different scenario, we may have been able to figure this out sooner. Um, but um, I guess that's the, the other piece to it, I guess, that is more uh, future focused. Um, I have, uh, it's, it's a challenge as a parent to, to be able to say, gosh, Sydney, I know that you can do anything you put your mind to. And I truly believe it. You're so talented. You're so gifted in so many ways. You're so brilliant. You're so beautiful. You're so good with people. And sometimes I fear that you're hearing that as, we expect you to do X, Y, and Z, to produce, right? Or to perform, to meet a certain standard. And it's true, we want everything amazing for you. Um, but um, I fear sometimes that you hear that as um, somehow a criticism, right? That you're not quite measuring up. And I think that's a part of the ADHD experience but it's one I wish um, and I hope and I, and I fully expect we'll be able to navigate a little bit better so that our hopes and dreams and desires for you don't feel like pressures and burdens and expectations. Thanks, Erin. That's very candid and very honest. You know, and I'm, I'm sure Sydney you know, feels a lot right now. And also in, in, in defense, Sydney, I mean, I, I don't want to speak on your behalf, but I know that sometimes what you feel inside is not displayed immediately, you know, on, on, on the outside. So even though, you know, it feels like there's, it, it's like empty, you know, right here, there's a storm going on in there. Isn't it? I mean, can you make, maybe talk, talk, talk about that and, and maybe, you know, tell your dad how, how you're feeling when he's saying all those things? Definitely a disconnect. Um, just with making sure I, you know, look good on camera and everything. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, I, I appreciate that you said the ADHD filter because I'm not delusional. Um, there's a difference between having, you know, perfectionism tendencies and a lot of anxiety and intrusive thoughts and things like that versus just being delusional and not being able to see and not being able to understand and things like that and I think that's kind of where it gets really frustrating because 
I can see these things. And it's almost like my brain is just fighting back and, and trying to disagree with that. Um, which is challenging. So, I mean, I, I get in my head, of course. I mean, everybody gets in their head. But um, I, I also think that if I had been in a different circumstance, I could have, I could have never caught ADHD, or I could have never understood ADHD. Um, I mean, I was in such an, it was such an important position um, when I was diagnosed, and I have all of the privileges. Um, to understanding mental mental health and you know having having a psychologist father is is obviously an extreme privilege and having a free testing service is obviously an extreme privilege and um i've always viewed it as i'm just so grateful that i was able to be tested um and that i was able to have those like privileges at my fingertips and where i am now with understanding mental health and um, being able to navigate it from a personal perspective and a professional and academic perspective is just primed me so much for my future. Um, and it, it doesn't feel as much as, as an inhibitor. It just mostly feels like a different rule book that I can now use going forward. Um, and for that, I'm super grateful. Thank you, Sydney. Well, that's really heartfelt and also very positive you know, to, 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 to end on. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that we're, we're all trying our best here to understand each other. And, you know, personally, I, I feel like, you know, you're, you're both working together. So <laughs> that, that, that sounds like, you know, things have, you know, been, been going great. And um, personally, I haven't had the chance to actually tell and have this conversation with my own parents. And, and so I don't know what that's going to be like. Um, you know, as, as, as Aaron was saying, um, you know, when, when you're telling Sydney about how great she is, you know, you think it might be perceived as, you know, expectation. But, you know, sometimes because of the things that we're already, you know, telling ourselves to do, it can incite some sort of defiance when it comes from an authority figure, you know, that you've had your 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 whole life and it doesn't have any like you know it's it's not to say that you haven't been great parents it's just that because you know being as parents you have to do you know at some point in their lives what's good for them even though it might not be what sounds the best and because of that you know unfortunately we are going to be the bad cops sometimes <laughs> but um it, it does sound like you know Sydney really looks up to you and um you know really see value in your work as well. Yeah, I think that part of what you're saying too, Sam, is that there is a, um, there's a component here that's ADHD. And there's also the component that's just adult development, right? And navigating the, the, you know, the, I don't know, the boundaries, if you will, of, of what good parenting is, right? gone are the days and we can tell her that she needs to be home by midnight every night. Right. Um, but we still want to tell her the things that we know, quote unquote, uh, will help her avoid pain or challenges or struggles. And yet we also know that 
that's how we learn it's going through those things so it's it's a balancing act of individuation along with uh navigating adhd and um it's it's fascinating to me that we're doing it at, at this stage of her development um i desperately wish we figured it out probably in seventh grade so that we could have handled eighth grade a lot better but um my eighth grade years was horrific as well so maybe it's a genetic thing but um i i spend uh, a lot of time you know when we're doing adhd testing we're focusing on adults and i can't tell you how many times i'm working with somebody um, um, who is in their 40s or 50s and for the first time getting these diagnoses and often uh, Sydney talked about the power of being diagnosed, bursting into tears, not out of of anger or fear, but out of relief. Oh, I finally have a name for what I've been going through and why I've been going through it. And I'm not just a weird person or I'm not dysfunctional in some way. So it's one of the great joys of my professional life to be able to have a reach to let people know because we do this all virtually you literally can reach people all over the country if, if not the world and help them get some understanding of their neurodivergence and how they can work uh, with themselves a little more effectively with a lot more compassion so it's um i'm glad it's happened now it's always better late than never and for those parents who are looking at this and watching this and saying, gosh, I think my kids have ADHD. It's probably true that you might too, right? <laughs> so many of us come to this understanding uh, later in life because we're seeing it in our kids. Um, so that happens all the time. Oh, I, you know, I was learning about ADHD because I was, kid was just recently diagnosed and lo and behold, I started thinking I might have it. Mm. So, are you telling her something <laughs> I, I think she suspected that for a long time but um you know it's uh there are uh certainly ways in which i'm coming to terms with the 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 way my brain works right and, and some of my own um strengths and weaknesses and um, That's good. So yeah, maybe, maybe I am. Yeah, well, I, I completely resonate with that. You know, everything you said about being late diagnosed and look, looking at yourself, you know, from, from seeing your own child being diagnosed and, and the part about just bursting into tears, very familiar with that. <laughs> Sometimes doesn't even need a trigger. Just someone being nice to you can do that, you know, and it's, yeah, miraculous how the, you know, the tear ducts work. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, both. Really lovely conversation. I know this um, conversation is going to be really well received, and people are going to really find so much from it and, and, and love, you know, both your honesty. And we will go into Sydney's interview after this. So um, thank you for being here and sharing this um, room with me today. Wonderful. Thank you, Samantha. It's it's honestly a pleasure and an honor. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good luck, Sydney. Love you. Love you. Bye.
What did you think of this episode? If it resonates with you, do share it so we can empower other neurodivergents too. We want to open up conversations for neurodivergents across all communities, especially the ones who are underrepresented, so they can get diagnosed and find the support they need in life and work. I'm Samantha Hugh, Director of ADHD Girls, and you can invite me to speak at your organization or subscribe to my upcoming bite-sized video courses on ADHD and neurodiversity via a new learning platform called Utopia. You can find the link via my link tree within my bio on Instagram and LinkedIn. Special thanks to QBTAC for being such a wonderful collaborator throughout phase one of this campaign.